between her feet, if you know what I mean. Okay, welcome to the Maria Scriptura podcast. I know you're so excited. We're going to be doing the uh, uh, Deborah Barak and Jael. Jael. Uh, most people say it Jael. I believe the correct pronunciation is Yael, but I'm going to split the difference and say Jael. Um, so yeah, it's going to be good. Lots of uh, sexual references uh, today. So you, you Bible geeks are going to love it. So before we get started, um, let me go over a few ground rules here. If you're new to mirror reading, if you're new to, new to my podcast, uh, I'll just go over a few things. Uh, first of all, mirror reading is a method of reconstructing the situations that the biblical authors were responding to. Uh, this is done by reflecting some of the text and finding the causes and effects with the rest of the text. So if the Bible said jump, then the opposing narrative would have said don't jump. So when I say things like Cicero raped J- Jael, uh, that is what the opposing narrative was saying, and the biblical text is responding responding to that. Uh, if you would like to learn about my own mirror reading methodology, you can find a link to it on my about page at mirrorreading.com. There's also a blog post that coincides with this episode, which you can find a link to in the show notes. Also, I believe the supplementary uh, hypothesis is correct, specifically as articulated at BibleCriticism.com. If you're not familiar with the supplementary hypothesis, then you can listen to episode two of my podcast. In short, it says there are multiple authors and redactors of the biblical books. The Northern Book of Judges is one of the authors of the Book of Judges, which I will be be referring to as N. That's N as in Northern. I'll also be reading the biblical text from BibleCriticism.com, which uses a combination of the NRSV and KJV. However, I will be switching out the name Lord for Yahweh and God for Elohim. If you haven't already, please listen to the introduction of this series as it will go over the primary themes of the Northern Book of Judges, of which I will be commenting on in today's episode. All right, so having said that, I'm going to be going, um, reading through the text of the Deborah Barak Jael cycle. But before I do that, uh, I want to go over the primary concerns of this cycle. Uh, so there, it's, it's broken into two main parts. There's the narrative and then there's Deborah's song. Uh, the narrative was written earlier and is primarily concerned with demoting Barak so that the power doesn't shift away from the, from the tribe of Ephraim. Uh, and Deborah's song is primarily concerned with convincing the Israelites to engage in military duty. Uh, some of the other concerns are uh, promoting the tribe of Benjamin because the kingly line of Jonathan was from that tribe, uh, saying that Yahweh uh, is the God of Israel and was the God of Israel, and that Yahweh is a strong uh, God. So to expand on that a little bit, uh, the leaders of Israel and the people of Israel were pretty reluctant to volunteer uh, for to go to war. And uh, N and his cohorts, uh, which is, you know, he's, he's, he's aligned with the kingly line of Jonathan. So they want uh, people to come out and be part of their army so they can uh, have military victories. Uh, but, but 
Israel is really reluctant to do that uh, for a few reasons. Uh, one, because they have the perception that Israelites are just not strong at war. Uh, two, because wealthy Israelites are afraid of getting plundered. Uh, and they're afraid that the uh, uh, Israelite women would get raped. And because they're, they, they just didn't they have any weapons. Uh, so weapons were kind of sparse. So those were the main reasons. And so I'll, I'll read through the text and kind of highlight where those, you know, where those issues are as I go so that you can see um, where I'm getting this from. All right, so I'm starting in Judges 4, verse 2. Oh, let me first, before I start, uh, I want to highlight the differences uh, between the end source and the other sources that come later. Uh, there's really two main ones. Uh, one is, is with Deborah. And and Deborah's not really a prophet. She's not. She doesn't predict the uh, Jael uh, ending where the where the woman gets woman gets a victory. And also, um, Barak asking Deborah to go with him is was viewed as a good thing in end. Whereas in later sources, um, that Barak is kind of made weakened by that. He's you know he's like big pussy for wanting Deborah to go to go with them, whereas originally that was a good thing. All right, so Judges 4, verse 2. Uh, the Yahweh sold the Israelites into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. All right, so right away here you have uh, N is injecting Yahweh as God of the Israelites and also explaining that the only reason that they uh, were conquered by King Jabin, is Jabin was because uh, Yahweh um, let that happen. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth HaGoyim. Uh, so Sisera will be a major character. It comes comes along later. Then the Israelites cried out to Yahweh for help. So again, Yahweh is the God of Israel, and he's able to help them militarily. For he had 900 chariots of iron. So when the Israelites do have this military victory, it's not a, it's not a simple push, pushover. It's a pretty substantial military victory because uh, this guy had 900 chariots of iron. Uh, at that time, Deborah, wife of Lepidoth, was judging Israel. All right, so in the end narrative, it's it's not, it doesn't say that Deborah is an Ephraimite, but that's at it later. Uh, I think that she probably was, and End's not going to want to mention that because he wants to downplay the tribe of Ephraim because he's trying to shift power from Ephraim to Benjamin. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinom, from Kedesh to Naphtali. Uh, so here, Barak, Barak is going to have this big military victory, and this is a threat to Ephraim because he's not from the tribe of Ephraim. He's from the tribe of Naphtali. Naphtali if that's, I think that's how you say it. So, um, so yeah, uh, well, the original pre-N, I guess I'll call, call the author of this uh, first part of the narrative here, uh, doesn't doesn't like that. So he's going to downplay Barak and he's going to upplay uh, Deborah because she's from Ephraim and try to switch things around like that. And said to him, go take position at Mount uh, Tabor, Tabor, bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. So you see here, Deborah is the one, get, one giving the orders uh, and it's reducing Barak's status. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. 
So for the original author, this is a good thing because he's trying to downplay Barack and he wants to uh, promote Deborah as a leader. And she said, I will surely go with you. Then Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh and 10,000 warriors went up behind him. When Sisera was told that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, or Tabor, uh, Sisera called out his, all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the troops who were with him, from uh, Herosheth HaGoim to the Wadi Kishan. All right, so this is a substantial uh, army that they're going to be fighting, so it's going to be a major uh, military victory. Uh, Barak per, uh, pursued the chari chariots and the army to uh, Herosheth HaGoim. All the army of Sisera fell by the sword, no one was left. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't just a uh, barely a, a military victory, it was a total slaughter. Now Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, wife of Heber the Canaanite, for there was peace between King Jabin of Hazor and the clan of Heber the Canaanite. All right, so we're going to be getting into the uh, issue of the opposing narrative that is saying that uh, Sisera and Jael uh, had sex. Uh, I think it's likely that it said that Sisera raped Jael. Uh, and so Anna is going to be responding to that, and, and he's just now starting to respond to that issue by saying that Sisera fled on foot that as opposed to a chariot. That's going to put him as being too exhausted to uh, be in the sexual mood. And by uh, making uh, Jael a Kenite, that makes Jael a, uh, not an Israelite. So the fear of Israelite uh, women being raped if uh, the Israelites went to war and is going to be shifting away from that by making Jael a non-Israelite, uh, but a Kenite instead. Now, the Kenites were a nomadic tribe uh, that later sources say uh, migrated with the Israelites uh, from Egypt on the way up north. And this will come into play since uh, nomadic people will be living in tents and that's gonna be uh, an issue here in a little bit. So uh, Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, turn aside my Lord, turn aside to me, have no fear. Now it's possible that Sisera, that the opposing narrative was, didn't say that Sisera raped uh, Jael, but rather that Jael just had sex with uh, Sisera uh, in more of an adulterous way. Um, and this is one of those instances where it may indicate that because she's uh, there is there's some wording here that is adulterous-like, but I don't think that's the case. I think N's point here is that um, she is she is uh, pursuing Sisera so she can lure him into a uh, a trap, not a sexual trap, but a uh, one where she kills him. So he turned aside to her into the tent. So now we're going to be getting into sexual euphemisms here. There'll be quite a few of them. This is one of them. And if you, I don't know if you ever watched uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway, but they have a uh, like a skit there that they do um, where they have to end each sentence. So they say with, um, if you know what I mean. So it has comedic effect if they're in a diner and uh, you know, one of them, the waitress comes up and what can I get you? If you know what I mean, I'll have some pancakes and eggs, if you know what I mean. Uh, so it's kind of, 
uh, as we go through here, I'll try to point out those sexual euphemisms. And if you can just tag, if you know what I mean, to the end of them, then uh, you'll, you'll get the idea. So here we encounter the first uh, euphemism, and that is referring to the tent. So uh, a man entering the tent of a woman was a sexual euphemism. So uh, Sisera entered Giles' tent, if you know what I mean. And so Anne is, is responding to this, and he's going to be taking the sexual, sexual euphemisms, and he's going to be making them literal instead of uh, metaphoric, uh, uh, referring to sex. It's going to be literal, referring to the actual thing. So uh, this is another reason why Jael is made a Kenite instead of an Israelite, is because they lived in tents. And so it, may, it would make sense to take it literally uh, when Sisera enters Giles' tent, because she literally lived in a tent. And she covered him with a rug, another euphemism, uh, a woman covering a man, if you know what I mean. Uh, but Anne is going to spin that and say, no, she didn't cover him. She literally covered him with a rug. Then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I'm thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. So again, we have the, the, the covered him euphemism, but the skin of milk is another euphemism. Uh, open a skin of milk is uh, literally uh, uncovered uh, skin of milk. And so skin of milk is referring to her uh, breast, uh, but Anne is going to spin that and refer to it as a literal uh, uh, skin of milk. And so when he asks for uh, water, the skin of milk comes into play, and it's it's really not addressing his thirst by giving him milk. So it's kind of a um, uh, underhanded insult, and also a possibly a mothering aspect to it. So by covering Sisera and giving him milk, that is kind of a mothering uh, scenario. And, and, and I think N could be using that to try to push away from the sexual scenario, uh, contrasting those two. And by the way, I'm, I'm not the only one that, is, that sees the, the sexual illusions uh, in this narrative. There's uh, other articles out there. Uh, ancient uh, rabbis have have been aware of this, but the mistake that they make is saying that the author intended to say that Sisera and Jael had sex. Uh, that the point of the narrative was to, to say that they had sex in kind of a, a cloaked way, but that's actually the opposite. And is trying to say that they didn't have sex. It was the opposing narrative that said they had sex. And so these uh, articles about how they, they had sex, is it, it doesn't really, we can see that the sexual language is there, but it doesn't, it doesn't fit. I mean, cause she, she kills them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, right when you think, oh yeah, the sexual euphemism is definitely there and then something different happens, right? And the uncovering of the skin and milk and then she gives them and then she gives him milk to drink. Oh, he's entering her his her tent, but then it's it's literally her tent. And so this is how this is how Anne is spinning uh, this because Anne doesn't want Jael uh, to be an Israelite who uh, was raped by a, by an enemy because that is one of the fears that is preventing uh, the Israelites from volunteering for military duty. 
All right. Uh, he said he said to her, stand at the entrance of the tent. And if anybody comes and asks you, is anyone here? Say no. So this may be a um, a hidden way uh, for Anne to say that uh, nobody was in her nobody was in her vagina. Nobody was in nobody was in her tent. Uh, is anyone there? Say no. But Jael, wife of Heber, took a took a tent peg. So another euphemism, tent peg, if you know what I mean. Uh, especially uh, if you want to look at, um, if you can look up on Google, uh, ancient tent, pe- tent pegs or my blog post. I have uh, ancient te- uh, tent pegs uh, images posted on there. And ancient tent pegs, they look like cock and balls. That's It's a uh, long phallic uh, thing with a circle on the end. It looks, it look, yeah, you can see how this could be a sexual euphemism. But again, N's going to spin this and make it literal and saying it was an actual tent peg. Uh, this tying in with a literal tent, it's going to be a literal tent peg. And so she's going to use that to kill him. So again, you have that sexual language. Uh, oh, she took a tent peg, but then the next thing is, and took a hammer in her hand. So again, and is, is, is spinning that, moving away from the sexual uh, language and making it literal and making it a violent uh, language instead. And went softly to him and drove the tent pe- the peg into his temple. Uh, now, I think temple here also has a sexual connotation to it. I'm not sure exactly how that is, but uh, if we look in Song of Solomon, uh, that is also, also a prominent word used there uh, to, to describe uh, her lover in that in that book. So I think there is is some sexual connotation there, but it, N is spinning that, and that's where the tent, be, pe, tent peg is going to go and to kill Sisera until he went until it went down into the ground. Uh, now I think that's that's interesting. N is going to be trying to it seems like Anna's pushing the idea that uh once that Cicero what wasn't able, wasn't going to go anywhere after after he hooked up with uh Jael that he was dead and he wasn't going to move because that tent peg was uh, driven through his head and into the ground so he's not going anywhere he's dead and he's pegged to the ground uh, and this could be because uh, the opposing narrative was saying that Barak uh, pursued him after uh, Jael's place and uh, killed him, killed him himself later on. All right. So uh, continuing, uh, I lost my place. All right, here we go. Uh, he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So again, he's uh, too exhausted to be in the sexual mood, and he died. So this is the whole point of the opposing narrative is shifting the um, the credit of killing Sisera, changing that from Barak over to Jael, so that Barak is demoted in status, and that in that way he's not a threat uh, to take taking away the leadership status of the tribe of Ephraim, and uh, so Jael gets that credit instead. Then, as Barak came in pursuit of Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said, said to him, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into her tent. So here we go again. Uh, going into the tent is, is a sexual euphemism, but N is also applying that to Barak. So if you're going to say, oh, well, 
uh, Sisera going into her Giles' tent is a sexual euphemism. You're also going to have to say Barak uh, had sex with her too and um, and knows that people are, are not going to want to agree with that. And there was Sisera lying dead. Uh, so again, Giles getting credit for the death of Sisera instead of Barak. With the tent peg in his temple, again, uh, changing the sexual euphemism to a liter- in the, to the literal sense. So on that day, Yahweh subdued King Jabin of Canaan before the Israelites and uh, injecting Yahweh as the God of Israel and making him to be a strong war God. Then the hand of the Israelites bore harder and harder on King Jabin of Canaan until they destroyed King Jabin of Canaan. So another military victory, uh, another uh, military hero. And even though Barak is demoted a a bit, uh, he still gets a military victory. And so this is all evidence for to encourage the Israelites to join the uh, Israelite military so that they can go out and fight and have victories for the kingly line of Jonathan. All right, so that ends the narrative portion of this cycle. Now we're going to be moving into the Song of Deborah. Now I think this part is written uh, later than the uh, first part because the Song of Deborah is much more focused on the issues at hand that Anne is dealing with, where uh, as in the narrative, it's, it seems to be dealing with an er- earlier issue of uh, trying to maintain the status of Ephraim. Uh, by demoting Barak, but in the Song of Deborah, it's, it's going to be really focusing on trying to get the Israelites to come out and volunteer for the military, and you're also going to see a little bit of promoting of the tribe of Benjamin as well. So this is starting at Judges 5.1. Then Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang on that day. So there's the uh, uh, leveling of, of Deborah and Barak, make sure Barak's not uh, over uh, Deborah, saying, when locks are long in Israel. So different uh, translations make it a little more uh, obvious. Actually, this is a difficult phrase for Hebrew translators to translate, but uh, they, they're pretty sure it has something to do with the, uh, the wealthy, the, the leadership of the tribes, um, assuming taking taking leadership, uh, this ties in with uh, and wanting the leadership to come out and and lead the way in terms of voluntary volu- volunteering for the military. When the people offer themselves w- willingly, so not just the elite but also the common people, and wants both of them to come out and join the military, bless Yahweh. So again, injecting Yahweh into Uh, into the narrative and saying that Yahweh is the God of Israel. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. Uh, To Yahweh I will sing. I will make melody melody to Yahweh, the Elohim of Israel. So again, uh, N is trying to say that uh, Yahweh is the Elohim of Israel, which means like the, the God of Israel. Whereas the opposing narrative is, is not is not buying that, it's gonna it'll be addressed later on that Yahweh came from somewhere else, and N's gonna address that later on in this uh, song here. Uh, Yahweh, when you went out from Seir, when you well, 
<laughs> here it is. This is uh, so N N's going to be responding to the uh, uh, criticism that Yahweh had come from the area from the area of Edom. Edom that uh, Yahweh was not an Israelite god, but an Edom, Edomite god. So Yahweh, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured. The clouds indeed poured water. So here's another sub, uh, you know, minor uh, criticism here. I think that N is alluding to, and that the opposing narrative uh, was saying that Yahweh was not a good uh, fertility god, and so N is uh, kind of showcasing the ability for Yahweh to to, to deliver the rain. The mountains quake before Yahweh, the one of Sinai, before Yahweh, the Elohim of Israel. So again, saying that Yahweh is the Elohim of Israel, which is means he was the God of Israel, and uh, Yahweh was the one from Sinai. So uh, building on earlier tradition, traditions, as, as we saw in the Elohim source of uh, how Elohim was one that uh, brought the Israelites uh, out of Egypt and uh, was at Sinai. So and is uh, equating Yahweh with that uh, Elohim. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, caravans ceased and travelers kept the byways. So this is responding to the fears of uh, Israel's elite uh, of going to war because they're afraid of financial loss. Uh, and is responding to that by saying, well, you're going to have financial loss if you, if you don't go to war because we need to, uh, we need to secure these um, trade routes, uh, essentially. And if we don't secure them, then it's going to be less, less goods to trade and you're not going to be making money. The peasantry prospered in Israel. They grew fat on plunder because you arose, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. So... Um, so again, not responding not only to the elite's fear of financial loss, but uh, enticing the peasantry of Israel, saying that they they prospered and they they didn't need to be afraid of being plundered because they grew fat on plunder. When new gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. So here, N is trying to protect uh, Yahweh as the God of Israel. Uh, he doesn't want he doesn't want the Israelites switching to another god. Uh, they may have been uh, looking for another god because uh, there were some uh, military military defeats uh, or their war was was in the gates, uh, so to speak. But Anne is trying to counter that and saying no, that's that's when war is in the gates is when you choose a new god. But you, so you should just stay with Yahweh. Was shield or spear to be seen among forty thousand in Israel? Uh, and, and is responding to this uh, criticism that uh, the Israelites shouldn't go to war because they didn't have any any weapons, uh, but and wants them to go to war anyways. And so he'll be he'll be talking about, uh, especially in the Gideon cycle, about how they had military victory without any weapons. So that shouldn't stop them from volunteering to go to war. My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offer themselves willingly among the people. Again, uh, encouraging the elite to come out and lead Israel in volunteering for the military. Bless Yahweh. Again, uh, promoting Yahweh as the God of Israel. 
tell of it. You who ride on white donkeys, that's a reference to rich people. You who sit on rich carpets and you who uh, walk by the way. To the, to the sound of musicians at the watering places, there they, they repeat the triumphs of Yahweh, the triumphs of his peasantry in Israel. So Yahweh's a strong war god. You don't have to be afraid. Come on out, come on out and, and volunteer. Then down to the gates marched the people of Yahweh. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, utter a song. Arise, Barak, lead away your captives, O son of Abinom. So again, recounting the victories of Israel's past. Then down marched the remnant of the noble. The people of Yahweh marched down for him against the mighty. From Ephraim, they set out into the valley. All right, so here you're going to have... uh, and responding to the criticism that Ephraim should be ruling over the tribes, uh, but uh, ends going to be shifting this over to the, to the tribe tribe of Benjamin. So follow closely to see how this sentence ends. From Ephraim they set out into the valley, following you, Benjamin, with your kin. From um, Macher, Macher, from Marker, Mark. Mocker marched down the commanders, and from Zebulun, those who bear the marshal's staff. So, uh, recounting the past military victory and how the elite came out to to lead that, the chiefs chiefs of Issachar came came with Deborah and Issachar, f- faithful to Barak, into the valley. They rushed out at his heels. Uh, among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Why did you tarry among the sheepfolds to hear the, the piping for the flocks? Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan, and Dan, why did, why did he abide with the ships? Asher sat still at, at the coast of the sea, settling down by his landings. So, uh, N is here, he's praising the tribe that, uh, that volunteered to come out to war, and he's, uh, he's slamming the tribes that didn't uh, come out to war. And these tribes, uh, understandably, did not want to go to war um, because they're, they're on the fringes of, of Israel. And the, the battle of Sisera was kind of in the heartland of, the, uh, of northern Israel, and so it didn't really uh, affect them too much. They didn't, uh, didn't really care. So, uh, so why, you know, why would they volunteer for, for war? But uh, Anne's going to slam them for that. Zebulun is a people that scorn death. Naphtali, too, on the heights of the field. So praising the tribes that did come out for war. The kings came, they fought, then fought the kings of Canaan at Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They got no spoils of war. So really addressing those fears of, of being pillaged. Uh, it didn't happen in the, the case of Barak and Sisera, so you know don't be afraid of, of that happening in the future. The stars fought from, from heaven. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishan uh, swept them away, the unrushing torrent, the torrent Kishan. March on, my soul, with might. So it looks like there was, um, in this battle, it looks like there was a, really was a battle with uh, Sisera and uh, Barak. And these chariots that Sisera had were essentially made ineffective because there was some, some flooding. That's why he's talking about the torrent of uh, Kishan. Uh, Kishan was a river, I think. 
So it basically swept these chariots away, and that's uh, it's incapacitated Cicero's military, and so Barak gets the upper hand and defeats them. Then loud, then loud beat the horse's hoofs with the galloping, galloping of, of his steeds. Curse Miraz, says the angel of Yahweh. Curse bitterly its inhabitants, because they did not come to the help of Yahweh, to the help of Yahweh against the mighty. So, uh, really slamming those who did not come uh, volunteer for war, uh, promoting uh, Yahweh as the God of Israel. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, a tent-dwelling, a tent-dwelling woman most blessed. So, uh, in, in contrast from uh, an Israelite being raped, this is Jael, who is, uh, who is blessed, who is a, a Kenite, who is literally a tw- tent-dwelling woman. Uh, so, don't, uh, so don't take that uh, tent language sexually, because that is to be taken literally, as Anne wants uh, people to, to think. He asked for water, and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a lordly bowl. So that skin of milk is definitely not referring to her breast. She put her hand to the tent peg and her right hand to the workman's uh, mallet. So tent peg is definitely not referring to his dick. Uh, She struck Sisera a blow. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. He sank. He fell. He lay still at her feet. At her feet, he sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. <laughs> All right, so there's a sexual euphemism here as well. Uh, it literally says um, uh, be- between her feet, uh, which is you know pretty pretty good euphemism in itself. But uh, on top of that, uh, feet was a euphemism for uh, genitalia. So between her feet, if you know what I mean. Uh, but here Anna's going to spin that. Yeah, it's between your feet, but it's because he he fell there and he was dead. So there's no sex going on. Out of the out of the window she peered. The mother of Sisera gazed through the, through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of his chariots? Her wisest lady make answer. Indeed, she answers the question herself. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil? All right, so Anne is, is spinning that concern of, uh, of, of being pillaged and uh, saying, well, yeah, Cicero thought he was going to get spoils, but he didn't get any. So really uh, spinning that and making Cicero's mother look bad in a, in a uh, morbid kind of way. A girl or two for every man. So again, and is uh, addressing the fears of uh, Israelite women being raped. And that was the expectation of uh, Sisera's mother. But look what happened with Sisera's mother. Sisera's, Cicero was killed. So you, you, you don't have to worry about that happening in the future either. Spoil of dyed stuffs stuff for Sisera. Spoil of dyed stuffs embroidered. Two pieces of dyed work embroidered for my neck as spoil. Uh, again, sister's mother didn't get any spoil, did she? So perish all your enemies, O Yahweh, but may your friends be like the sun as it rises in its might. All right, so again, uh, and asserting that uh, Yahweh is the God of Israel, that he was a, a strong war God. All right, so that ends the cycle of Deborah, Barak, and Jael. 
I hope you liked it. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. So if you like it, please share it. Uh, if you like my podcast, please leave a nice, uh, five-star review on iTunes for me. That would be great. If you want to financially support me, you can go to my support page, uh, at mirrorreading.com. Uh, and I will, uh, talk to you next episode. Thanks. <laughs>